from the belt to the plate. A swing and a miss. And that's the winner. That's the winner. A World Series winner for the Cardinals. Smith corks one into right down the line. It may go. Go crazy, folks. Welcome to That's the Winner Podcast. As always, I'm Ryan Jenkins, and with me as always is Josh Brown. Joining us tonight is uh, Jeff. Jeff, thanks for joining us. Let's see if we got your audio. We haven't tested it since he just jumped back on. Let's check it. One two. We'll see how well it's working. Right I now. got you. I I got you. I think uh, that way far. So let's let's get um, kind of in it and let's talk, Jeff. So you write for the Belleville News Democrat and a little bit MLB.com. Um, are you from St. Louis? Let, let, like what I like to do is help people understand some of the writers and stuff as well. Um, um, just so you can yeah. be able to people get to know you a little bit better as well. Uh, from here, grew up in Belleville. Grew up on the lived here for most of my. life life was in a couple was for about a year and a half uh so moving back yeah it's cutting out it's it's cutting out still hard on you i don't know what it's internet signal sound is what it is but um all right i can do here hold on one second let me try All right, he jumped out for a second. We're going to see if we can get him back. Josh, we're, uh, so let's talk about a little bit. Last conversation we had, we are talking about Nolan Arenado and his opt-out, and would he or wouldn't he in that he finally opted in. Um, he didn't wait the five days that he had until after um, the until after the World Series that he could have dra- dragged it out to. In our conversation, we talked about why he would um, opt out, and we, we said that there was all these good reasons. There's been a lot of conversation about that over the last uh, week. There's 20 million good reasons. Yeah, 20 million good reasons uh, for, for him to be able to opt out, and um, he did not. So were you sh- shocked that he did not opt out? Or, you know, or I mean, what's your, what's your thoughts on his, on his opt out or opt in, I guess? Yeah, we. I mean, we stirred up the pot. Yes, that was a little goal, bit right? saying that he would opt out. But if you watch our podcast, if you read any of our tweets, um, neither of us thought that he would not be a St. Louis Cardinal. Right. So big difference. And the reason we thought that he was going to opt out is because there was a clause in his contract uh, that we verified with Spotrack, Spotrack, however you say it. Right. But you, you know, you can go to Spotrack.com and look up any any. Um, MLB players contract and it'll show you all the clauses, the opt outs, all the you know money that covers, especially with, with Nolan's deal. It was so odd with what the Rockies are kicking back, but there was a clause in there. If he had it was either one of the two, if he had opted out after 2021, both times, right? Yeah, or opted out after this year. So either one, if he had opted out in one of those, he would just on the spot have gotten 20 million from the Rockies before he signed anywhere else. Right. And so uh, the big deal for the Cardinals and him opting in is it saves them $20 million more over the course of the next five years. 
right. and not all at once. Yeah, as It'll a Cardinals fan, it's it's great. Uh, Jeff's back with us. Let's, yeah, let's see it, if I can pop him back in and see if we can get it going. Jeff, are you there now? All right. So we hopped from Safari over to Chrome, and maybe this is a little there better. There we go. That's what it is. That's there we go. It sounds much better. All right. So I'm glad heard... you said that. Now we know moving forward to tell some guests well, to use Chrome. Well, to be honest, yeah, to, to show how the sausage was made, when you mentioned that, that Tim had had a similar problem, I know Tim is also an Apple guy, so I sort of yeah. wondered if maybe that was the okay. problem that it had. Yeah, I'm, I'm a MacBook guy as well. I've always used Chrome, though, so I didn't even – that. And now we know. Now we know. It's now we know the troubleshooter. Chromebook thing. Okay. You so, Jeff, you heard out. us talking about it a little bit. I don't know how much you want to get into it uh, yourself and the things that you may know about it. Um, but we were talking about the 20 million potential good reasons that Arenado had to opt out. Yeah. You know, that's an interesting clause. And that, as far as I know, would be unique, uh, in, in, in terms of the way a contract was structured. I, you know, most of, most of what I know about that deal was based on the original reporting, uh, that Ron Blum did for the AP, uh, when the deal was announced, when the trade happened, you, you saw a, a similar piece from the AP when Adam Wainwright signed his deal the other day. So, uh, that did not include that in it, but also there was a little bit of confusion on the overlap in terms of whether the offset this year is 21 or 16 with 500 extra year. There's a, there's a little bit of vagary with some of that stuff, uh, and it, it hasn't been a thing that I know that, that any of us have been able to really clear up all that well. So it is it is an interesting notion, the idea that no one would have turned down kind of that chunk of change from the Rockies directly uh, with the opportunity to double dip. I, I do think that it is important to know, like, if he had opted out and then you re-signed an identical deal with the Cardinals, the remainder of the cash that the Rockies would have given the Cardinals was nullified, right? Like, the remainder of the cash yes. that was in the deal was contingent on that original contract being fulfilled. Uh, so, you know, look, one could make the argument that if no one was feeling particularly spiteful, and I don't have any reason to believe that he was, but, you know, look, holding a little bit of grudge against the Rockies, one way to do that is to make them continue to pay. Uh, I don't. I don't think it probably is the issue, especially given that Jeff Breidich no longer works there. But it, it was a, a, a notion that crossed my mind once or twice in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and well, and so Ryan, I mean, we were telling you we've had Katie Wu on the podcast before, who you know very well from your time covering the beat and you guys in the press, the press box. But she had mentioned that um, she was going to reach out to Nolan, or she had maybe, and that he his agent said maybe he wasn't quite aware of that. But look, we know that Mo flew out there to Southern California, right? And those guys met. And odds are, even if if he had known about it, um, maybe at the end of the day, it just wasn't about money to him. Because like you said, that $20 million now gets kicked back to the Cardinals. Not all at once, but over these next few years, it helps go towards paying off his contract. Which, if he wants payroll to go up, that should give DeWitt and Mo a little bit money in the, a little bit more money in the tank. A little bit more in their pocket, maybe, to get the uh, payroll a little higher these next uh, season. Well, and I think realistically, too, if for no one, the bottom line was always going to be about pure dollars and cents, that would have been a really easy decision. You make a comparison between, for example, the deal that Freddie Freeman signed last winter uh, versus what no one has owed here over the next five years. I, I have no doubt in my mind that, that Arnado could have opted out uh, and invested what he is still due on his deal, regardless of who's paying him for it. So I think it's I think it's pretty clear uh, that that was maybe not his number one consideration. And I think also, too. You know, there there was a lot of reporting about the conversations that Arnado had with the Rockies front office before being traded after signing that deal, and then into the next winter, and what those discussions looked like with their front office uh, and the ways in which that kind of went into the way he was disillusioned in Colorado. I think it's notable uh, that Mo goes out on a Monday and they sit for dinner and they have the conversation, and then within a week, you know, he has the commitment to be here for the next five years. So that's it's a similar conversation. They clearly took a very different fork in the road. 
Right. Yeah. Well, so let's get back to the original uh, part where I was trying to ask you about if you grew up in St. Louis and where that part came from. People didn't hear that part because of the cutout. So I want people to learn a little bit about you. Um, so people um, give you less less hate on Twitter, I think, is the best way to go about it, right? Get some more followers. I, look, I, I, my, look, my mute button works great. Y'all can do what you want. Pay great bucks a month to have to the friend of the replies. That's your business. Uh, I, no, I, I grew up on the Illinois side. I grew up in Belleville. Uh, and, and lived here for all of my life. I was in Chicago for a couple of years and in D.C. for about a year and a half where I, I covered the NHL a little more seriously out there. And then when I moved back here, you know, if, if you if you want to be in the sports writing game in St. Louis, well, uh, and that was honest and not a thing I really seriously considered in the past, but it worked out to, to being, I don't know, something I love. And, and I can't I can't imagine going back to a non-daily beat now after having done it the last five years. Uh, it, it's been a really big change, but a really welcome one. And, and one that, that's, that's been, I don't know, things you could never have expected to see. Just, just actually today we had a, a lunch meeting with the baseball writers and there was some discussion about some of the things that went on in 2020. Uh, and like things you could have never, ever anticipated to be able to live through and, and have a chance to cover has been honestly really special over the last few years. So did you grow up a Cardinals fan? I know close, being close, but were you a baseball fan? Were you a Cardinals fan growing I up? did, yeah. Uh, I, I grew up a Cardinal fan. My my, my big big claim to to Cardinals fan. Everybody's got like an event they went to when they were a kid. I was at uh, I was at Game Four of the '96 NLCS where Dimitri Young hit the triple and Brian Jordan hit the go ahead home run to win that game in in '96. And I my my fun little story from that game uh, is that my dad somehow ended up with tickets that would have been at Old Bush in the front row down the first baseline. But for the postseason, I don't know if it was just that year, probably so, because it hadn't been a postseason there since whatever, since 87. Uh, they built in two extra rows of seats in front of where the front row used to be at Old Bush. Now, I was nine years old. And so when these were built on field level, I couldn't see, couldn't see the field, couldn't see anything because I was exactly level. Uh, but right in front of me was an older African-American gentleman who had on just a heinous tan and purple Bill Cosby sweater. And so Dimitri Young hits this triple into the left field corner, people going crazy and high-fiving or whatever. And this man turns around, and my dad kind of nudges me and says, give him a high-five. It was Lou Brock. Uh, you oh, know, wow, I was nice. nine years old. What do I know? But it, we were sitting <laughs> right by, we were sitting right behind Lou, apparently, for the entirety of that game. And I, I still have somewhere a little kid cardinal hat with a, with a Lou Brock signature on a ballpoint pen that he was nice enough to sign for me underneath the hat bill. So that was, my, uh, that was probably my best Cardinals memory as a kid. That's a that's a yeah, that's, that's a great awesome. memory right there. And it's hard not to be a Cardinals fan after that. Like you're locked in forever. Once one of those types of events happen, you it's you're in there forever. Well, well we had the funny, privilege. You know, of... I, 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 I just wrote real quick. I you know when you when you do this job, you see people at the ballpark, and you, I honestly don't get phased by it. I famously one time like blew past J Lo to go talk to Mike Schilt. Didn't even see her. Uh, she was there when A Rod was doing a Sunday night baseball game, and I like talked to her security <laughs> guards because it was post game time. Two times I've been in line for food in the media room uh, and behind somebody where I felt myself get like the celebrity thing. The first time it was Bob Euchre, uh, like four years ago, I was right behind him and he was getting food. And I, uh, uh, and the second time it was really weird. It didn't, I didn't anticipate it, but this summer was Brian Jordan. Uh, when, when Atlanta was in town for their series, he was like, he does TV for them. Uh, and I was in line behind Brian Jordan. And I was like, uh, Mr. Jordan, I guess I got to tell you, I was at this baseball, you know, he was very nice about it, but he was like, just trying to get dinner, man. What are we doing? Here? 
That's, That's awesome. Great. Well, we had the privilege of sitting next to your mom at the last game of the season. Small world. In the at the Cardinals game this year, and she we were looking for Dirk for one. She asked why you weren't, we got somehow into the podcast. She asked why you hadn't been on and yada yada. And now here we are. How now. many? But, uh, how many? How many beers deep was she at this point? You know, I never <laughs> saw how, any how... beers to be honest. But... No, we saw no beers. Yeah, no beers. Okay. But. She, she, there was a lot of tears that game if you remember yeah, from everybody because right. it was the last one for Yachty and, and Albert. But we asked for some uh, some good stories or something we could you know razz you with. But the only thing she really gave us is that you wrecked a car when you were three years old. <laughs> I did. So my 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 one of my claims to fame here uh, and, and wrecked is strong. But if you go to Disney World <laughs> now when you get your car from valet, they shut your car all the way off. Uh, and as the legend goes. When I was about three years old, we took a family trip down to Disney World, and we had one of those big old conversion vans, you know, with the carpet inside and the massive roof and all that. And my sister at the time was about a year, and she was getting loaded into her car seat, and I uh, climbed into the front seat to pretend drive behind the wheel. And apparently, I either kicked or grabbed the gear shift to pull myself up and, and pulled the van in to drive, so it started oh to roll away uh, while my sister was being loaded into her car seat. My mom was <laughs> screaming, and my aunt was screaming, and the valet guy, I guess, ran around and threw the thing back in the park. But now I'm told <laughs> that if you valet at Disney World, they take you, they turn your engine off and they hand you your keys, so that doesn't happen. Just be, just because <laughs> of you. Well, your mom was very nice. I, uh, we re, we appreciate it, friend. Hi, mom. If you're watching, or if we you see it later, um, we get some, we have some uh, questions jump uh, coming in. So let's go to. Well, yeah, that's. I was gonna say that's a good one to jump into. Yeah, maybe to start some conversation. Seth Teal, he says, "Do you see the Cardinals making a big splash?" Jeff, thank you, and po- your podcast is great. So appreciate yeah, thank that. You. Thanks, Seth. So here's the question: I want to piggyback with uh, Seth on. I think a lot of talking heads in the radio world and different places are telling you, telling everyone. I think they're pumping everyone up to think that the Cardinals might be in the market for a shortstop. So I'm going to use Seth's question and, and twist it a little bit. Do you think the Cardinals are actually in the shortstop market? And if not, then like like Seth says, where do you think it's possible to make a splash? So I thought that the proclamations that payroll was definitely going to go up were interesting, kind of given who's available in the market uh, and what we know about what the Cardinals do and don't like to do and the ways in which they're going to spend money. Because, you know, to, to say that payroll is going to go up, it, it would be very hard for me to find a trade that would make payroll increase. I mean, unless we're talking about literally Mike Trout, uh, there's really not a lot in the trade market that would really increase payroll to any kind of significant degree. So if, you know, if we are talking about free agency, shortstop is an interesting place to look because I, I there's no way they go into spring training next year uh, operating under the assumption that Paul DeYoung is going to be on the roster, let alone a starter. Right. And And so the question becomes, who is playing shortstop on opening day? The answer could be Tommy Edmond. Um, I, you know, I, I do think that the folks who are very excited about Mason Wynn, I understand that. I that doesn't seem like a guy who's likely to break camp with him. That would that would be, I think, a pretty huge surprise. And so, if that's the case, it, it, it's really hard, I think, to sort of plan for. Well, you know, two or three years down the road, this guy actually might be what we need. So we can't have been on one of these great shortstops. So the 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 short answer to are they in the shortstop market is. Maybe, uh, <laughs> you know, right. But, but and it would, I don't know. I will be very curious to see where the market leads with some of these guys, because I think of, of the big three shortstops that are going to be available. I think most people would say that Turner is the best option uh, that Swanson is perhaps the option that you would like to stay away from. 
And then the question about Correa just becomes, you know, what, like how well do you think he's going to hold up? Is, is he still a shortstop in three years? You know, and, and, and what kind of market, what kind of deal is he looking for? Correa to me is the one that's interesting. That's the one that would seem to fit some of what they need. Uh, and that would also, you know, come with some risk and come with some challenges. And it's also, frankly, Correa's been through a winter where we know the market was soft. If it wasn't, he wouldn't have signed the deal that he did. So how much in a year has that changed? I don't I don't know that it's a lot, especially given that he had a very good year in Minnesota, but not a year that's kind of, you know, not the kind of platform year that you might think of for a guy who wants to go back through the free agent market. So that, to me, would be an interesting place to look. Yeah, I mean, I I think about the what Mo said in the in the presser recently when he said we are a pipeline driven organization, and what I take from that is meaning we're gonna use our young guys that are cheap and be able to fill in the other places. And I think Mason Wynn is is a part of that plan, right? That the goal would be yeah. that he comes in not in twenty three but in twenty four, so they're probably not going to clog up the middle infield anymore. Is how I would I would expect the Cardinals, and I think a lot of people get all excited about the possibilities. And I think the possibilities are actually pretty slim, but that's me. But yeah. And that's kind yeah, of where I, I'm I at too. I mean, Oh, sorry, Jeff, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I was going to say, I just, I think, I think that's fair, but it raises the question of where the money is going to be spent. Sure. Right. Right. Well, and that's the thing with the shortstop market. I mean, I, I thought if they were ever going to be in the shortstop market, it would have been last off season, right. you know, Trey Turner, Corey Seager, Carlos Correa, again, some of those big names. Um, but <laughs> It seemed like pretty early on, especially when Corey Seager got the deal that he got, they weren't going to be in that market at all. Um, But it is, it is intriguing. And, you know, I know Gould and others have wrote about, I think I've even seen Derek Gould, you know, say like, why wouldn't you go after Trey Turner? Go after, go after the bat, like go after the good bat and then let the rest take care of herself. And I do think Turner is really intriguing just for the fact that he's a guy that can play second. He's a guy that can play center field, which now, you know, the Cardinals, I'm sure we can get into the outfield question, but They've got some some questions now in outfield and um, some competition to be had out there, maybe a free agent to be signed. Um, but it's going to be – I was thinking about that with the payroll specifically going up because we talked about that. Well, how would payroll go up, right. especially at catcher? Because I know that was one thing that Mo said, like we will be going outside the organization to get a catcher, which I think it – I mean, it made us, made us happy to hear that. I imagine it made most Cardinals fans happy to hear that. But the only way I see the payroll going up in that form is if either you go sign – Wilson Contreras, to probably he's going to want a four or five year deal, I would imagine, to some degree. Or you go trade for a guy like Salvador Perez is more of a stopgap, and I know his contract somewhere in the twenty to twenty two million range. If they wanted to go get somebody like that, um, but what are your thoughts on catcher? What do you think the Cardinals go do? Do you think because because we've read and I know that there's been some talk, um, you know, it's been reported that Wilson Contreras has talked to like Jose Quintana, who he's good friends with about the culture, yeah. and he's going to talk to Yadi this offseason, and they're good friends. Do you think that that's a real possibility for the Cardinals? It's it's so hard to say, in part because the idea of being that active in the free agent market is very unlike the Cardinals in general, right? And so it's it's hard for me to say what kind of free agent would or would not fit what they want, just because they have not really traditionally been that active in that market you know the, the largest free agent deal they've ever passed out as an organization is still the deal they gave dexter fowler so that's a, that's a sub hundred million dollar deal by a pretty good chunk uh right and so you're talking I, free agency signing right right yeah yeah, free, yeah, free agency yeah. Deal. you know it, 
technically the largest deal they've signed. Anyone who hadn't previously been a card played for the Cardinals was Paul Goldschmidt, but that was an extension, you know, all that stuff. The largest right. free agent deal they've ever signed is is still the Fowler deal. Uh, and so I don't I don't know. Like I, I, I have a hard time and have not really been able to dig up anything that, that tells me that they are really interested in Contreras in as much as they value defense so much uh, behind the plate that it, it's, you know, Contreras is a fine defensive catcher. He, he really is, given especially I think, the state of catching in the game right now in general. I don't know that he fits that bill, and I especially don't know that he fits that bill three or five years from now. Now, maybe they would say they don't care because they still believe in Herrera, but I, I I have a hard time with Contreras uh, being a guy, to me, that makes a lot of sense for them in free agency, other than that's a guy who is definitely going to cost money. Uh, sure. And if they're going to spend money, then great. Because the other consideration there is what happens if the market for Contreras, you know, what if Contreras is this year's Correa, right? Like what if it gets to be January, February, and Wilson Contreras is staring down the barrel of, oh, well, I can take five and a hundred from, whatever, the Marlins, or I can take one and 20 from a competitive team and see what I can spin it up into next offseason. Maybe that, to me, uh, is a market where they're they're more likely to get involved. But at the same time, if they reach January, February, and the top two catchers on the depth chart are still Andrew Kisner and Yvonne Herrera, then somebody messed up somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I'll use that as part of this question that came in from somebody who's what do you think is more likely to happen? The Cardinals sign Contreras or trade for a Murphy, Jensen, or Kirk? I think Murphy is the one that we've heard a lot about. Everyone has been talking about for sure. I know you wrote about him recently too. I think you might've mentioned him in that payroll story you wrote. Yeah. Yeah. Sean Murphy just screams classic Cardinals guy that they would go get yeah. everything about him. seems to check every box and it's, it's not like, it's very easy to see the fit. With Oakland as well, you talk about a team that's got two catchers in the very top of their prospect pipeline, uh, and Murphy entering his first year of ARB, and you know, RVA is going to be eager to pay that out. I, I, the fit there definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, the other guys, you know, I don't, I don't think that Toronto is likely to trade Alejandro Kirk. I, I especially don't think that. Yeah, you know, I, I, I guess put it this way: if Toronto is trading Alejandro Kirk, it's because they don't think he can catch. Uh, which doesn't make him right. super useful for the Cardinals, right? right? Danny Jansen, though, Danny Jansen is a guy who, who I would definitely have on my list uh, as an interesting possibility. Now, Jansen maybe fits more in that 1A, 1B, where you're talking about him and Kisner with like a 90-70 game split. Traditionally, that's been more of what he is. And, you know, do the Cardinals view him as a 110-120 game catcher? I don't know. I'd be surprised, but maybe. I mean, he's got, he's got a lot of pop and who is well-regarded defensively. And again, you look around the league for teams that have extra catchers. Well, Toronto's got three. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, and, and they have three that they seem to like a lot. But of those, Jansen would seem to be the guy who is, you know, who is the odd man out there. So that that's a name to keep in mind. Uh, the other name that I think would keep in mind, you know, I, in terms of Salvador Perez, I, I, I spoke with somebody in Kansas City earlier this week, and I – when I when I asked if that was realistic, they they were they were, they, I guess the answer I got was possible but super unlikely. Like the idea that 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 okay. Salvi would be traded, especially given kind of where they're at in, in terms of the transition, um, not only you know with the front office and, and with the manager, but also the Royals are about to come knocking for a bunch of public money for a new ballpark in the next two or three years. And what helps with that and what smooths that over with the public is to have like 
notable friendly faces on the team out stumping for you. And there's like, there's a larger stuff at play for the Royals over the next couple of years and just winning baseball games and people in Kansas city love Salvador Perez. Uh, and yeah. so to dump him, you know, that, that is an external factor that I think plays into this. Uh, but the other guy that I was going to mention is a guy who was this year, which is Mitch. That's a guy who probably Texas isn't going to have a lot of room for one year left before free agency showed a lot of power when he was with the twins. Again, as a guy who was well-regarded defensively, but as he's aged, as he's gotten more hurt, there's definitely a lot more risk there. I don't know if you can trade for Mitch Carver again and count on him to catch 110 games. Uh, but that's, that's someone who I would also maybe have an eye on, on the trade market. And that question comes in from, it says Facebook user on there for some reason, but it's uh Michael Barry. Bar- Michael Barry is probably in our, uh, in our group that we have, we have a uh, private group uh, oh, yeah. that has conversations in it, and that blocking the name there. Yeah, it's blocking the name because of that. So that, that makes sense, though, with Salvador Perez. Now that I think about yeah. it, because my first thought with that was, well, you know, they traded with Merrifield. They, you know, they just fired Matheny. There's a big transition. Maybe they're going to start kind of blowing it up. But he is like the fa- like you think of the He's Royals, the you think of Salvador Absolutely. Perez in right. the same way that the Reds held on to Joey Votto, right? To have that exactly. guy still there. Uh, that makes way more sense when you think about it. Danny Jansen really was a, wasn't a name that I knew much of, but just looking at him last year, I mean, yeah, he only played 72 games. He hit 15 home runs and slugged over 500. That sounds great to me. I don't I, know. what It, what it, it depends on his defensive metrics. Right? Well, yeah, that's, that's I don't know more, anything defensively, but Jeff, it the, sound, sounds like he's you know comp, comparable there. Right, because it sounds like you know, well, that's what I, I MO's, think, MO is. And, and with Jansen, too, I mean – how and to be honest, off the top of my head, I can't, can't tell you how he measures up uh, in, in most of the advanced stuff. But I know that with the Blue Jays, that was the guy they kind of went to to settle down the staff and demand of the pitching staff, right? Because uh, both Kirk and Moreno were are kind of bat first, uh, and and so Jansen was the guy they sort of leaned on in that role. So he at least has experience with it, uh, and and I think would be fine. You know, the challenge for Cardinal fans is going to be watching games over the next year, two, three years. And looking for Yachty or Molina, that is not going to exist because that kind of catcher just doesn't exist, right? Like it's gonna, it's gonna right. change. It's been twenty years of, of having probably the best defensive catcher in the history of baseball behind the plate. That's that's going to be different, right? It's not going to look the same. Uh, and so, at some point, good enough is going to have to be good enough. Yeah. Sure. Well, I think there's a general excitement too. The thought of maybe getting a catcher that can still be good or above average defensively. But bring you some pot. Absolutely. I mean, we hadn't had that. You know, Yachty hasn't – he hasn't been that guy. You know, he had maybe a couple times where he was around 20 home runs or something. Right. So, yeah, I think it's it, it's going to be an interesting conversation as the offseason goes on. It gives you another spot I, I believe, to be able to have pop. Yeah. I think there's only been one non-Yachty or Molina catcher who has hit at least 10 home runs for the Cardinals in the last – I want to say it was since like 92. I think Tom Pagnazzi <laughs> hit 10 in 92. Uh, Matt Wieters cranked out 10 uh, the first yeah. year he was here. And other than that, that, there's no no other Cardinal catcher has hit 10 home runs here in the last you know, 20 years other than Yadier Molina. So a little pop would be something new for sure. Absolutely. Well, we, And we, we've got tons of questions coming in. But um, I want to think about that trade a little bit more at the Murphy or any of the other ones. What is it going to take? What are we thinking? I mean, I see hear a lot of Nolan uh, Gorman thrown around and things and people like that. Uh, we talked about uh, Yepes and Newt Bar. Like, what does a package really look like on a realistic level? You know, I think Gorman is an interesting name, and part of the reason I think you see him get thrown around a lot uh, is that he's a guy who is perceived to have a lot of value, 
Uh, and also a guy who Cardinal fans watched like strike out a bunch and get sent down at the end of the season. Like the season did not necessarily end. He did have the last RBI of the year, as it turns out. Uh, but the season did not necessarily end on the kind of high note people may have hoped for for Nolan Gorman, right? You know, if you remember back to the start of last season, uh, there was a lot, a lot, a lot of chic like people. Oh, you know, Nolan Gorman actually is a under the radar candidate for Rookie of the Year. That that clearly didn't happen. Didn't really pan out. And you know. He struggled for stretches, and so that makes him a guy that people wonder about. And frankly, the, the situation with Gorman ties to some extent into the situation with Wynn, which is with Gorman, with Edmund, with Donovan, with Wynn coming up behind them, there are only so many spots at the end, especially with Arenado walking down third base in the next five years. So you can you can understand the reason why he would maybe fit what we think about when we think about trade bait. Um, as far as the other guys like Yepes, Newfar, the problem with trying to trade guys like Yepes and Newfar is that most teams think they have that guy, right? The vast majority of teams think, you know what, we got a guy who hit pretty well in AAA that we think can be what Juan Yepes can be for the Cardinals. Uh, Newfar maybe is a little outside of that just because I think he established himself a little better as a hitter this year, showed maybe some more ceiling. Uh, than folks thought he had, and is such an outstanding defensive player. I, I do think there is, you know, there there is maybe a little bit more from Newfar. But frankly, you know, entering the winter, if the Cardinals are looking at an outfield, can they trade Lars Newfar right now? Is he the outfielder in which you have the most faith entering next season? And if so, you know, can you trade him for a catcher? You you can, but you better be pretty damn sure that Dylan Carlson's going to figure it out, right? And, and absolutely. You know, and look, they probably have to be pretty sure about that anyway. Uh, but if you're going to make that trade, you have to be really, really sure. And I'm not quite sure how you get there this winter. So that's a long way around to saying what does a trade package look like realistically for Sean Murphy? Sure, it could include Nolan Gorman. That's that's a realistic possibility. Uh, I could it include some of the surplus pitching that maybe other teams can like. Dakota Hudson, for example, or Jake Woodford, are those guys as valuable to the Cardinals as pitchers as they might be as trade pieces? And is Dakota Hudson as valuable to the Cardinals as their number six starter as he would be to Oakland as their number two? Right. Uh, that, that, that That's an interesting question and a fit yeah. that could work. I know everyone everyone hates to trade pitching because you always need more pitching, which is always correct. But if those are the bullets that you have this winter, that's that's maybe where I would look. Man, if you're telling me, I'd much rather trade Dakota Hudson and Jake Woodford for Sean Murphy than oh, even oh, yeah. Well, yeah, no, I'm talking about like, and that's just like an example. Gorman pieces. and one of those guys, well, right? Sure. Right, right. And it's right. going to take several. And that's what I was going to say with the A's. You have to think they're going to be asking for young, cost-controlled right. pitching. They just traded Sean Manaya and Frankie Montas. Right. They're they're going to be needing some pitching. Um, I would imagine guys like Tink Hints, yeah. Gordon Graceffo, uh, guys like that are. I I would be surprised if the card, especially Tink Hints, from what I've read about him, would be su- very surprised if sure. they want to throw a name like that around um, but, that young. But it'll be interesting. But for instance, if Oakland starts asking about Hanson Graceffo, can the Cardinals say, "Well, no, thank you," but can we interest you in a gently used Michael McGreevy? Right? Yeah. They, they do. They do have the kind of depth in the organization to where they can they can piece together some similar deals, and 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 that ultimately, you know, not to tie it all the way back. To the trade deadline, but when the Juan Soto trade happened and all this conversation happened, well, the Cardinals weren't going to trade Carlson and they weren't going to trade Gorman. That's not what happened. The conversation was 
once they knew the Soto deal wasn't happening, then they were able to go to those guys and say, hey, you're not being traded. But more to the point, San Diego got had pitching to offer that the Cardinals did not, right? Mackenzie Gore, there is not a Mackenzie Gore equivalent in right. the Cardinals system, unless you want to say Libertor, who the Nats were not interested in. That was a non-starter for Washington. So that being the case, like that piece just didn't exist for the Cardinals. But when you get to this winter and you have a full year of Graceffo and a full year of Hens and some other depth in the system, maybe you don't have pitchers that you can trade for Juan Soto, but you probably do have pitchers you can trade for Sean Murphy and still come right. out okay on the other side. And still get a guy that you're going to have, what, three three years, three, years? three more yeah. years of arbit- arbitration yeah. before he's a free agent. Yeah, and I was uh, listening to the radio today, and they talked about guys of Gorman's age. I'm just real high on Gorman of the possibilities that we – you know, 30 home runs a season type guy that popped that we really need from a left-handed bat. But guys at his age, there were two that outperformed him at that age uh, right now. Right. In the, in, and that was Julio Rodriguez and Michael Harris. Right. Those are the only two guys that uh, outplayed his, you know, statistics last year in that same age group. And so it's like, can we, if we can do anything but that, I'd rather give up some guy that hasn't made it up to the big leagues in the pitching side than, than Nolan Gorman, who yeah. hopefully yeah. hits I, I 30 think- home runs. And I think too with Corbin, there isn't there is a degree of prospect fatigue, right? That that's it's not fair, but it does happen to guys who have been in the system for a long time with fans who go, well, I've been hearing about this guy for forever, and he struck out a bunch this year, so that's enough. He must think trade him. He's twenty two, right? You heard about right. him because you drafted him. He was a high school senior, uh, <laughs> and he's just now getting to the age where you might expect him to be a productive big leaguer. And by the way, you know he hit whatever it was eighteen homers in the majors this season as a twenty two year old. Yeah. I want to switch gears a little bit right. to the outfield. If you've got a little bit more time, Jeff, I, we don't want to keep yeah. you too on past no, no. What, you, what you need to, but we've talked about this and obviously the big name is Aaron judge and we don't really have to spend any time on that conversation. Cause that's not going to happen for the Cardinals. <laughs> it's, not, so. it's not going to happen. So I've told Ryan, I mean, given how the, the rest of the outfield went the rest of the year, once uh, Harrison Bader was traded, this really seems like this spring training is going to be a lot bigger, I think, than people think for, for Jordan Walker it, it, it is what I think. I think he's really – and I know Mo kind of – I know you guys had the had the um, the presser with him a couple of days ago, and he tried to temper expectations with that, but also seemed like he was like, I mean, yeah, he's going to get he's going to get a look. And obviously he's he tore it up all year. He's tearing it up in the AFL right now. Um, I keep telling Ryan, this, it, it would not surprise me if we had ourselves a – Jordan Hicks type situation several years ago where the guy didn't play one game in chip away because he was so, they were so just blown away in spring training by what he was doing and had a need, you know, they had a need for a a power reliever that year. They needed a guy like that. There's a very, you know, obvious need in the outfield for a slugger. I know it's different. And we've talked about that between a pitcher and a hitter. There's difference obviously in terms of the struggle that there might be for Walker jumping straight to the major league level like that. But do you think he's going to get a real look this off season for the outfield? So I don't know if you guys are familiar with the concept of spring training survivor, uh, but this is a thing that, that this popped up among writers for years and years and years where it's who's going to be the last guy who appears in every single spring training game. Uh, I, be- I believe it was Juan Yepes this year. It might've been Brendan yeah. Donovan, but it was one of those two guys who every for single sure. day they were out there taking at bats and they were getting their shot at it. I think there's a real good chance that Jordan Walker is the guy who leads the Cardinals in at bat at spring training and who plays every single day uh, at spring training until they, they see what they have or they see what they don't have. I think he is going to get every shot to make this team coming out of spring. Now, 
you know, are there acquisitions that could change that? Sure. If they go on the market and they find two starting outfielders, then maybe things look a little different. But I think as of right now, he is going to get every opportunity to break camp with the club. And I don't, I mean, how could you not? How could, you know, how could you look at the year that he had and the way that that's continued through the AFL and not think that he is maybe your one of, one of your best, your best options in the outfield right now? And I, I do think they're going to be open to that. You know, I, the next question I'm sure is going to be, you know, from, from folks is going to be about service time manipulation. I, the Cardinals have really historically not done that. They have not been a club, but now maybe they haven't had a prospect of this caliber with which to do it uh, in a long time, which is a fair point, but they really have not manipulated service time in that way. The one exception to that was Dylan Carlson in 2020, but you know, those were different circumstances. And I, I think given the nature of the COVID season, I think it was a little different in, in, in terms of how they were looking at, at, at when to call him up and when was the right time to make that decision. And so I don't mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm a, maybe I'm a sucker for believing it, but I, I think if Jordan Walker is their best or their second best outfield bat in spring, I think he breaks with them. And I, you know, if you ask me today to, to bet on which way that goes, I would say it's, I would say it's more likely than not that he starts the year at AAA, but probably not by a lot, right? Call it, call it 57-43 that he starts with Memphis and not with St. Louis. Right. Like if, but if, if he's on the roster opening day, that means the Cardinals have done nothing this offseason, right? I mean, well, in the uh, outfield, in the outfield, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I necessarily with that because I can definitely, I can definitely, for example, I can imagine a scenario where he is on the roster and Tyler O'Neill plays for someone else in spring, right? Like that, that, yeah. that is something I can imagine. Um, I can imagine a scenario where the, the five outfielders on the roster to, to break camp are Carlson, O'Neill, Newt Barr, Walker, and Andrew Benintendi, right? I, I can, I can imagine that, you know, plus say Carlos Correa is playing shortstop, whatever, right? You know, I, I can I can imagine a winner where they make some significant moves that maybe don't include outfielders, but that do improve the team in a meaningful way. And I mean, that's I'll, a good point. I'll pop this on there. Uh, Gene wants to know, is there a leash on Dylan? Speaking of talking about uh, outfielders, is there a, a leash of some sort? Like, obviously, I think Dylan gets a lot of the criticism right now is because of the – non Soto trade that then he got lumped into the now you're and and then also trading Harrison Bader. Now you're the guy, right? right. And then sure. he didn't perform the way that people had hoped uh down the stretch. And I think that's where he gets a lot of the criticism now in the last few few months. Well I know Mo, well, I think... Mo, Mo I was gonna say Mo told you I mean I, I thought I remember hearing in some of that, that presser the other day that he mentioned that they, they really thought the wrist problem that he had hampered him the rest of the year. I know at, right after the Bader trade happened, he was actually rehabbing in AAA. He was supposed to get two more games right. and had to come right back. Uh, I think he only got maybe one game, a rehab game, before he jumped back in. It just it just didn't seem like he had enough time to get back ready. And obviously, I mean, you know, the injury just sapped it. And we've had a lot of conversation, too, really, with him and Tommy Eben. And should they just both bat right-handed for good? <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know. I mean, that, it just seems like like all the pop is on that right. side. Now, Tommy picked it up later. Uh, but, man, Dylan's really struggled from the left side of the plate. You know, it's, it's funny. Uh, probably the most – where way to put this? Blunt? Kurt? I don't know. I've ever heard Dylan Carlson be with somebody in, in the clubhouse. There was a day deep into the summer, late August, something like that, where, where someone – did ask Dylan that directly. Hey, have you, you know, have you thought about just hitting right-handed? 
Uh, and Dylan was kind of like, it didn't, what, what Dylan said was, I've never seen a breaking ball from, from right-handed batter's box. I can't do that in the middle of the season. It was, it was <laughs> just a flat, like, that makes it, sense. it was just a flat, no. Right? I, I, he, he's never done it in his life, seen a breaking ball from that batter's box from a righty. So I get it. Um, That's a know, fair in, point. In yeah, of, no, t- no Right. Um, in, in terms of what – I don't, I, there, there are two ways to look at this, right? Number one, you're right about the injury. I do think that there was a lot of, of power and strength that got sapped out of the wrist, the thumb, uh, and it definitely impacted him throughout the season. You know, the, the Cardinals were aware that he was hurt. He was getting treatment. They knew where the injury was. At the same time, you know – Dylan is a guy who is young and competitive and establishing himself in his career. And though it's not always easy for guys like that to say, I can't go today, right? There's a difference between the team knowing that he's hurt and in much the same way that players, as they mature, learn the difference between hurt and injured. Sometimes that goes the other way, right? Where a guy who's so competitive can think that he's hurt when he is injured. And that, that really changes the way that he's able to perform. Um, the flip side of this, though, is that, you know, for the last two months of the season, yeah, Dylan Carlson was a strict platoon player. He didn't he didn't play against righties, right? He was only in the lineup against lefties, and he was way down the lineup in those cases. So, you know, in terms of, like, is there a quote-unquote leash on Dylan Carlson? Yeah, and we saw it last year. We saw him get turned into a platoon guy down the stretch. That's why you saw Tyler O'Neill playing center field. That's why you saw a lot of stuff that you saw uh, at the end of the year last year after the Bader trade because they recognized that they weren't going to get out of Dylan from the left side of the plate, and they adjusted accordingly. Yeah, well, and that's what's interesting to me, too, watching Walker the last, what, month or so in AAA and in the AFL. He's playing a lot of center field. Absolutely, yeah. He's playing a lot of center field. And maybe, you know, maybe how Dylan Carlson comes out in spring training, you know, injury, no injury, hitting well, not hitting well, maybe that factors into to Walker being on the, the roster as well. It wouldn't surprise me. It might. The one thing I would say about, about Jordan Walker playing a lot of center is that if you're going to adjust a guy into the outfield, especially a guy like Walker who's played at third, the biggest adjustment for him is going to be that ball dead on, right? There's going to be that, that center field angle. And so it makes sense to me that they would have him play as part of that adjustment because that's going to be the toughest adjustment to make. So if you start there and, and, and Walker can get comfortable and, and be passable in center, then you can put him in the corners with, with a lot of comfort. He's played a lot of right field uh, in, in here in the AFL. And that, if I had to guess, that probably is where he ends up in the long term. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And that make and that makes sense. That's a good point in center field. We've heard Bader and Edmonds and others talk about, you know, that the ball hit straight to you is one of the hardest plays to make because the, the judgment and the way you have to judge the ball coming. So, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Jeff, I want to know what you think of the most likely to happen is, you know, uh, signing an outfielder with a good chunk of money, a shortstop with a big chunk of money, or signing a uh, a big chunk of money to the catcher, like a Contreras type. Not trade-wise, but an actual free agent signing. What's the most likely of those options? Of those, I would say the most likely is to stop, if only because I don't, I don't see an outfielder or a catcher on the free agent market that fits what they do and what they would want, right? Like I, I have a really hard time imagining them having learned the lessons they learned from Dexter Fowler going, ah, yes, Brandon Nemo. That's a guy we're going to give a lot of money. Yeah. That that seems like the same (laughs) deal to me. Uh, And I would imagine it seems like the same deal to them as well. So that, that probably, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, the catcher stuff, like, 
I'll believe I'll again I'll believe Contreras when I see it. That would definitely right. be an exciting move, an energizing move, and it's a move that makes a lot of sense for them for a lot of reasons. But there are also reasons why it doesn't make a lot of sense, and I just I don't know. I struggle with it, and I have I try though I might have not been able to find a lot of linkage between them outside of Contreras wanting to play. I think it's clear that like Wilson Contreras looks around at where he might want to play, that St. Louis is pretty near the top of his list. Whether he's at the top of the Cardinals list is a different conversation. And also, I guess I didn't put in that would be pitchers as well. I mean, I was say, I, is there a star, is there a high end top end starter that the Cardinals are going to sign? I mean, obviously, Mo said you know this is the first October that he can remember having his five starters ready to go for next season, uh, but that there was still room to grow in the starter right. spot. And what he said in the press conference. I mean, I don't know, Jeff, if yeah. you've had. I, I don't know how much it's still. We've still got the World Series going on, so there's a lot. There's still a little bit of time for the offseason comes, but. The one name that stands out to me, and the name, honestly, that I wanted last offseason was Carlos Rodon. And I think that's yep. one guy that seems like strikeout, you know, he's got he's got the strikeout potential well over 200 this year. I think he's second or third in the NL in strikeouts, if not up there. Um, coming off, you know, a player option deal. He He's a guy for me that they need to target, especially now knowing that this is Wainwright's last season. Right. Flaherty, I think, after next year. Is he a free agent after next season? Is that right? Clarity of Montgomery both, yeah. Yeah, and so, I mean, those are three big guys that right. potentially, Wainwright, you know for sure you're losing. Montgomery wouldn't surprise me if they gave him some sort of extension if he does well And actually, this year. And, Michael, and Michael is too. Michael is also the free agent. That's right. Wow. So, so, I mean. <laughs> yeah. And, they, you don't, they, and you don't really like Dakota Hudson, right? And you and Matt's is on there for how many, two years, right? I mean. No, more? we got Matt's for four more, four years, more years or okay. three more years, I so think, right? Three more. He's, the one, that's gonna, yeah. he's yeah. the one that's on there the longest is Matt's. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. I, they they need to go get pitching this offseason. The tough yeah. thing is, unless they're just gonna, unless the payroll going up is gonna be everything being thrown at Jacob Degrom, which I don't think <laughs> it is. Um, I the pitching's kind of thin. I mean, Verlander, Rodon, Chris Bassett, maybe. I mean, there's really there's not there's not a lot of guys that interest me past Rodon. Rodon is the guy. If if you told me today. Cardinals are going to spend $100 million on a free agent this winter, but I'm not going to tell you who Rodon would be the guy that I would guess. Uh, because I agree that he fits he fits very clearly what they need. And the question with him was never performance. It was always health. And so yes. if, you, if you feel comfortable with that, if you're okay with where he's at health-wise, which is a free agent pitcher, so you roll the dice and, and you hope that you're right, uh, then that's, that, that's one that fits. Because Rodon is also a guy – who at the deadline, if the Giants had been in a spot where they were going to move him, the Cardinals would have been right at the front of that line. So he's wow. definitely a guy who they have had interest in in the past and who definitely fits a lot of what makes sense for them. Now, the, the, the caveat I would have here is I'll be very interested to see what they do with the pitching coach staff uh, and how that develops. I think, I think everybody around here – is expecting Dusty Blake to end up as the pitching coach. Uh, and if that is the case, then I'll be very interested to see the kind of pitchers that Dusty gets invested in and involved in and the way that his influence sort of changes the way they pursue pitchers in the market. Because Rodon, as a guy who spins the hell out of the ball uh, and who definitely has swing and miss, checks some boxes that we heard frequently from the manager this summer 
you know, we need more spin in this. We need more spin in this, and we like guys who spin it. That was stuff that we heard a lot. Rodon checks those boxes. And so if they think that he's healthy, that's, yeah, that's a guy who makes a whole lot of sense for me. And then if you want to talk about what trades look like this winter, then let's have a conversation about Jordan Montgomery. Let's have a conversation about Jack Clarity. And are, you know, do you improve in two spots by paying Rodon and trading from your starter, you know, quote unquote surplus? You get a lot more for Jack Flaherty or Jordan Montgomery than you get for Dakota Hudson. Right. And is that is that a way you improve your team this winter? Yeah. Well, look, Ryan and I have talked about it. I mean, the biggest way you can improve the team this winter is just go trade for Shohei Otani. Uh, right. I, sure. I, I said that last year, and try, last, in and the middle of the season. Right. Uh, well, you know, now I'm listening, and Jeff gets me excited. I'm like, ah, there's no way they're going to sign a shortstop. Eh, maybe. There's no way they're going to sign a big top-end uh, starter. Uh, Rodon, I like him. If you told me anybody, he says $100 million to Rodon. Now I'm excited they're going to sign somebody. And I'm now I'm not tampering my expectations. Now just got me excited <laughs> on, and on board. If they're if they're not if they if they're not going to spend a bunch of money on a free agent, then I'm going to be really interested to see who they trade for. Uh, and it's going right. to be a lot of fun to cover Mike Trout next season because I don't know where else the money's <laughs> coming from. So. Well, I, I was going to say, like, whenever he, he says payroll is going up, what do you guys? In, and he said that like three times, he right? He was fact. pretty was adamant about that. Yeah. And he yeah. said, yeah, it is fact. It's going up. So like, so what does that mean? Does that mean $5 million? Like, how do you, how did you interpret what he really meant by that? Because it can go up, you know, a million dollars and it went up and he's right. But like, what does it really mean? So sure. I I think that, I think that the timing here matters because we had that conversation with Mo today's Wednesday. I think it was a week ago today. Uh, I had that conversation, I believe on a Wednesday, maybe it was Thursday, whatever it was. But it was right after he came back from California where he met with Nolan and sort of laid out what the plan was going to look like. And, you know, when he's speaking to us there, he's obviously speaking hands, but he also knows that the audience includes players, includes people in the organization. And so if he just had a conversation with Nolan Arenado where, for argument's sake, he laid out, you know, we're going to increase payroll by X amount this season and here's kind of what we're prioritizing – it behooves him to say the same thing to us with emphasis. And so when he says the payroll is going to climb this year, I think it's interesting, you know, and I, the number that I've thrown around that they have to play with it, if they were to increase the payroll by 10%, say from 170 to 187, 190, if you want to be crazy, that gives them like 60 million to play with this winter. Yeah. That's, that's a lot that's, for the Cardinals. That's, right. That's a, that's a lot. And that's not like, that's not a, crazy increase that you know that, right. that takes into account the offset they're getting from Colorado that takes into account the deferment with Adam Wainwright that takes into account you know you're dropping off you're you're dropping off the buyouts to Carpenter and Carlos Martinez now are there things they're going to have to do to nip and you know that because that number that I that I've written about a couple times that includes that includes the arbitration raises the expected arbitration raises it doesn't you know it, it also assumes a couple non-tenders Alex Reyes for example I think we expect to be non-tendered Chris Stratton, third-year arb, and he's going to be making, I think, NL Trader Groomers estimated like three, three and a half million. Stratton was fine. You can get a seventh-inning guy for teams that you're down to for less than three and a half million. Uh, I think there are probably better ways to spend that money. Hey, there are there are things they can do internally, though, that would take up a chunk. For example, uh, if they just decided it's time to bite the bullet and eat Paul DeYoung, that's like 15 million. It's nine in salary plus the buyouts of the two options. Right. 
that's a lot. That's a lot. And that, that would, that would be, you know, and that would be all at once. And that would definitely be a chunk of it. So maybe, maybe that's one way that they spend some of that money, uh, which, you know, which would not, which I'm sure would not be very exciting for fans, <laughs> but, but that, that definitely would, would count in that. Uh, but even still, like that would still give them 40 million to play with in the market, right. right? They could they could do all of this stuff. They could release Paul DeYoung and eat every nickel of his deal and still have like 40 million to play with and trade in free agency, which is a lot, right? That's like, that's Contreras plus a whole bunch of other stuff or that's yeah. that's Rodon plus Murphy plus Benintendi. There's a lot yeah. they can do with that money. Mm, talk dirty to me. That yes, sounds that good. Is, yeah. that, is, that is encouraging. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, that's what stood out to me the most with Mo. And I was telling Ryan, um, Jeff, you know, I, I used to blog with Fansided several years ago. And, you know, the Cardinals, I mean, it's been a handful of years, maybe a little bit longer. They've done like a blogger day where they've invited some of the blogger guys to come out. And they and they, they finally brought that back this year mm-hmm. after the last couple of seasons with COVID and everything. And so, you know, part of that is we get like a 30-minute, it's a nice Q&A with Mo. And this one this year, I've I've never, I don't remember him being as candid and transparent as he was in some of it, especially with us. You know, we're not we're not like the the legit media guys like you guys. Um, he seems like he's going to get better like, answers than we are. Well, yeah, that I guess he does get to be a little bit more candid in that in that atmosphere. Um, but it was just it surprised me. But it seemed like that in this press conference. I mean, I'm. Same, similar I, demeanor. Yeah, just that, the yes. transparency. He's never said anything like that about payroll. He's never been that transparent about, yeah, we're going to get a catcher. It's just always been like, oh, well, you know, we'll fill in the gaps. And it right. it seems encouraging as fans on the fan side that there was that much trans- transparency. So, And maybe well, that is the Arenado thing. Maybe that is the conversation they had. And he, he knows, like you said, he, know, he knows those guys are watching. And I, I think part of it, too, is that, Look, Mo went out of his way to say he was so excited at how well the fans have supported the team over the last year, uh, and that's that's going to be great for them, and they're going to be able to turn that into payroll. Realistically, I mean, that's true, but it's also true that they acted really conservatively through COVID and probably found themselves in much better economic shape than they thought, than their worst projections were coming right. out on the other side of this thing. And so now uh, they feel like they can be a little more aggressive because if, if – if the DeWitts have been anything in their stewardship of the Cardinals, it is risk averse. Maybe uh, is the way that I would is the way that I would phrase it, which is not like not necessarily a vice, but it is I think a fair way to describe the way that they have operated the baseball team. And so, if coming out on the other side of the pandemic, the finances look a lot better than they thought that they might, then that also gives them some of that breathing room and, and kind of dovetails at, at this moment here. I have maybe a question that doesn't – it pertains to this money part, and I don't know. You may not have an answer for it, and that's fine. Has the conversation of Valley Sports and the money and the issues, the bankruptcy, the, all the stuff that has been going on, the conversations of Valley Sports, does that have any effect right now on conversations of – like you talked about, they were really – they did did their money really well during COVID. They've come out the side a little better. But if something would happen that some of the articles have talked about, there'd be a loss of revenue – considerably for the Cardinals and other teams and you know on all ever all the sports NBA NHL there'd be a huge changing of of money and I'd wonder if that scares some of these clubs so I've, I've thought about this and then when I've tried to ask about it I have not gotten really satisfactory answers in part because the Cardinals aren't looking to fan this particular flame because sure. I, I do think it's on their minds 
the thing that I would say about this, and in fact, there was a story just this week uh, about the revenue that the Cubs generated through Marquee. And that revenue, I, I want to I say the Cubs generated, I think the story said 90 million through Marquee over the last year compared to the 50 uh, that an average MLB team is generating out of their TV deal. So the Cubs ended up much better off. Now, that's a different media market uh, sure. and, you know, and the price of that changes. But the short answer, I guess, to this question is I think the Cardinals think that if they found themselves in a situation where they had to operate the RSN themselves, they would probably do fine because whatever they would lose in rights fees, they probably would make up a whole lot on the back end uh, in terms of like the ad revenue and everything else that, that generates profit for, for Valley's. So I, I do think that, that people are anticipating uh, some kind of change happening there, whether it's next year, whether it's in three years, it, it's really not clear. I do think that they are probably well positioned to take advantage of that when and if it happens. Cool. I didn't think you'd really have an answer, but I appreciate that answer. Do you have any, Josh, you have anything else? I mean, he's given us almost an hour, so. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the time, Joe. Yeah. This is great. No, of course. It's look. It's the off season. I got a ball game on the TV in here, so I'm. So do we. We're, we're the, we've got it on as well. well yeah. Tell yeah. us where people can find you, where they can read your stories. Yeah. Give everyone that plug, so uh, you know now they know a little bit about you, and now they can read your stuff, and you know best way to find you and everything like that. Yeah, uh, pages of the Belleville News Democrat. So that's uh, on your newsstands in the Illinois side or at bnd.com, and then you can find me on Twitter. It's at jm jones. Awesome. Well, look, we say, you know, once we've had you guys on here, you're a friend of the podcast. So, yeah. so we'll when, when the Cardinals, when the Cardinals go out and, and you know, uh, trade for Sean Murphy, we'll have you back on for some, for some uh, reaction. Look, if they do it during the winter meetings, you can have me back on seven or eight cocktails deep trying to write stories. <laughs> there we go. Everybody else is, so. Hey, that, that makes for a great live <laughs> podcast. Absolutely. And it makes for something. <laughs> uh, all right, Jeff, we appreciate it. Thanks. Tell your mom. Hi. We appreciate her, appreciate her as well. Thanks, Thanks man. so much. Yeah. Anytime guys. Have a good one. I'd see you. All right. Well, that was Jeff Jones with uh, the Belleville Democrat. And he also writes for MLB.com. He's also part of the Baseball Writers of America. Yeah. He's all, So I guess that means he gets a vote for Hall of Fame. We even talk I about that. I think it does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we didn't really talk about that. But, man, he gave us an hour. And, uh, wow. A lot of great nuggets in there. We're going to have to clip some of that. We lots of clipping going yeah. on. We had so many questions come in. We really haven't, we didn't get to all of them. Well, but... I was looking. I mean, you know, we kind of, we kind of hit some of these chances. Yeah. We signed a top flight ace. We talked a little bit about, look. Yeah, we touched on the points. Yeah, for sure. I'll tell you, just instant reaction to that. His thoughts on Carlos Rodon gets me really oh, excited. Man. He gets me, look, I, I, I said this a little bit. I think there's a lot of people that push stories, right. agendas to be able to, create buzz for the offseason, right? Or gives them something to talk about on the radio, right? And I'm not a big fan of that because usually what happens in the St. Louis Cardinals is we're not, we're going to all get excited and nothing's going to happen. And then Jeff then reiterates, well, you know, if it's going to be outfield shortstop or catcher, it's probably going to be a shortstop. Then I'm like, oh, hell. Well, now we're just going to start back over of what my hop thoughts on the were. Train. Yeah, hop on the train. And then and he's like, yeah, let's get a, Rodon makes the most sense for the Cardinals. $100 million is where, if you told, his quote was, if you said, where do you think a, a big signing happens? He or, says it's a pitcher, and it's Carlos Rodon. Yeah, yeah. Well, he said if you told me the Cardinals right. signed somebody for five years at hundred million, I would I would guess Carlos Rodon. Right. And and it is it is a little, and I know the criticism that might come out is well, how do you know he's not Stephen Matz? And that's a fair that's a fair point. Like he's had his injuries throughout his career, comparable in terms of the innings pitch as Matz. But the difference is when he's healthy, he's like really good. Right. 
and he's, and he's always had the strikeout. Miss stuff. Which he's is, always had that. Right. He's always had that. But now, at the end of the day, he's never pitched more than 178 innings, and that was this year. That was that. That's a that's a career eye for him. His second season in the majors in 2016, uh, he pitched 165 innings. It was 178 this year. Um, I don't know if maybe you know, maybe he missed a couple starts, or maybe they just were, you know, being a little careful with his innings, uh, especially towards the end there when the Giants were out of it and everything. Um, but man, he's a guy that's thrown a no hitter. He did that with the White Sox, 2021, and 237, 237 strikeouts in 178 innings. If he if he's a guy that could stay healthy for you, right, over the course of those four or five years, I mean that's. That's just look, we're we're sitting here watching the Phillies and the Astros in the World Series, and what have we talked about? Well, someone said to me, well, "Why do you think the Phillies made it all the way?" Well, they've got way more than two sluggers, yes, to back up a lineup one, and they have two like legit co aces on the mound, and both of them have strikeout stuff. That that those are the two things that we're lacking. And, you know, I mean, just at the end of the day, that's where it's at. That's where we're at. We're lacking two more like high impact power bats. Yes, and at least at least one ace, you know, at least one guy that's got swing and miss stuff. I mean, I think the Cardinals gave Philly all the the juice because they weren't playing very well, to no. be honest. And then they the they, Cardinals beat they got, themselves in that yeah, series. They got excited. They got excited, and they and they saw some success, and then, then they've been able to be successful. But the question is, like, they haven't done much different except there's five guys hitting, right? And the Cardinals couldn't get anyone to hit in right. the in the in the postseason. Some of the Phillies, yeah, Phillies had five right. guys to hit. Cardinals couldn't get anyone to hit. Um, in the postseason, and then obviously, yeah, two big starters. I mean, that's literally if you look at the Astros, same thing. They have a couple, three, probably four, really good starters, and they have yeah. great pitching depth. And that's why both teams are there is because of their their pitching and their guys that can hit bombs and and just professional hitters. The Cardinals yeah. only have a couple really good hitters all the time, except for the postseason. But yeah, and, and his point, you know, just points on payroll. Um, even if they eat the DeYoung contract, 40, 45, 50 yeah. still to play with, that's a lot. Yeah, you know, I never really thought about them eating the contract. Like, people have talked about it, like cutting him. Like even, they did Fowler the, yeah, you know, a year um, or two ago. Uh, someone even mentioned in one of the comments, I don't remember where it was, uh, oh, will will uh, Paul DeYoung be on the spring training roster? Like, will yeah, he be report reporting as, as a Cardinal? And I thought that's always going to be a yes. But when you hear that, if they think that payroll is going to go up and what he thinks that means, you know, 10%, then they can eat that and move on. I also think they got to be exploring every opportunity to dump that and receive something back. Like in Fowler, when we looked at that deal, they dumped he him. Didn't, he wasn't in spring training, and that all year. they and all they got back was money. It was a as a player to be named later, and there was no player. It was just cash considerations. Later. Right, and that, and even if you find somebody to take him and kick you back a million, I don't know if they would do that. But like just anything to I would, help. But help. I'd rather have a. I'd rather have a. Freaking double A guy as a possibility to get something than a million dollars. I mean, maybe yeah. As a team, I mean, not- I don't know how often those throw in things. But, but well, but look, Juan Yepes was a throw in in the Matt Adams trade. Absolutely, and now it took three or four years. But I mean, yeah, you never know. Right. I mean, you never know who you might rather, get back in those. I'd rather have that than some money. Yeah. To offset it because you can get them into your system and your team and your all that, and you can be able to get them to be able to hopefully be successful. That's why I look at it. Yeah. Moises Gomez. Well, hitting, they, they have to put him on the 40-man, right? They do, and I think that they – I mean, they, they're better. Um, he's a guy that I was looking up on him. Did you know we got him? Uh, the Rays. Um, I think he was in the Rule 5 draft. They, they let him go. 
I did he not, just wasn't he wasn't doing anything in that organization. They let him go. We snagged him, and he figured something out. Yeah, we didn't ask Jeff about that. There's four. They opened up four spots on the um, forty man. Well, Diadi and Albert are that are they considered yes. two of those four? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, Riadi, Albert. Uh, they outrighted uh, Kramer Robinson. Yes, and I think he's been outrighted before. Four, yeah, a few times. Um, and there's one more that they did. They I can't that. remember the fourth. Yeah, uh, but I did see that. There's though. four spots open, but then, then then there's also question marks of um, um, guys coming off IL that was on there oh. um, that could then jump back on Verhagen being one of them right. where that ends up things like that. So and I think they have they have to get him on because he's got another deal or another year on his deal. Right. So there's guys going to go back onto the onto it as well, but there's still going to be a spot. It sounds like for Moises Gomez, are they going to use that to be able to save him? Is a question that I don't know the answer to. Well, look if they're you know Jeff Jeff said you know I could see Tyler O'Neill not in spring training with the Cardinals. Yeah. So if that, if that's something they go out and do and they package him, it, theoretically, let's sure. say maybe the A's would be interested yeah. in him in in a, in a package him along with others like pitching uh, for Sean Murphy. That's an open spot to try out a, Mo- a Moises Gomez Absolutely. or uh, I, Alec Burleson a little more. It, I'm really terrified of the outfield. Really, oh, yeah. I'm really scared to like to. Uh, get I'm rid scared of, defensively, honestly, more than anything right now. To get rid of, get rid of Tyler O'Neill or Nolan Gorman for that matter. Two guys that you think that can hit a bunch of home runs is like, oh, please. As soon as they go, they're going to go hit a bunch of home and runs. O'Neill, else. O'Neill, you've seen it now. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you've seen it for almost a full season, like. If he plays 145, 50 games, he's hitting 45 bombs. Right. And as soon as you trade them, they're going to. <laughs> like, that's, well, yeah. That's just what's going to happen. That's always what happens. We, we watch it. We watch it every year. Yeah. They're going to succeed somewhere else, and it's just going to be like, gosh, you know, why couldn't we get that out of them or get them back on track? And we didn't really even talk about uh, the pitching, the um, the hitting coach opening. Yeah, the coach is big. We should have asked him, does he think that that's mainly going to be internal? Yeah. Or, or internal in the organization or even just internally – Within the franchise, like maybe a Matt Holiday coming in as bench coach, because I've been—I mean, I've been reading a lot about that. I know he and Ollie are, are really good friends. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me to see Holiday as a bench coach. I don't know if he'd be the hitting coach. Wouldn't surprise me to see him as a bench coach. Yeah, and he gave us the name for the the pitching coach who he thinks oh, it's going to be. Yeah, yeah, and so I need to do more looking in on him and on. And I assume he's he's an internal, internal option. Yes, yeah. yes, he's internal. So need to learn more about him because it sounds like he might be the the future. Pitching coach, we need to learn everything we can. Yeah. What, what else you got? Anything? I mean, we're only an hour, and this is a short one. He was great, yeah. Um, we didn't get into gold gloves a lot. We could talk a little bit about that. I know we both, I think we both, I'd imagine a lot of Cardinal Nation felt Tommy got snubbed. He should have gotten one of those. I think Tommy Tommy could have won Tommy Gold. Tommy, Tommy Gold Glove. <laughs> Tommy Gold Glove should have won three. He should have won one at shortstop. He should have <laughs> won one at second base, and he should have won the utility. I think he was absolutely catastrophically snubbed no offense to uh, brendan donovan yeah but i think it, it was just cr- crazy that he didn't win any of them and i think you could have make an argument why he should have even though he wasn't um nominated at shortstop why he should have won at shortstop and they even talked about on the broadcast that he played half the innings that the other guy did that won for it but you know what he had more he had more defensive runs saved than the guy that he played half the innings for yeah like they were penalizing him for doing that then it means like he was a perfect fit for the utility award. And now, did Brendan Donovan play more positions? Yes. So Jeff had a good tweet about that. Yeah. I saw the other day, yesterday. Um, he said Donovan was the only player in the MLB 
to make at least five starts at six different positions. Right. So you look at that in terms of like the like what is the utility? Sure. The you know Gold Glove supposed to be. And I was like, okay, I didn't realize that. I get that. He says he's the only player in MLB history to make his first four career starts at each of the four infield positions. That's kind of a, a fun little stat. Right. He's literally, I mean, played all over the place. And um, there was a good article I read today in the Post-Dispatch um, just about him. And apparently when he was, I think he said he went to school at College of South Alabama. Uh, but one of the things that, like, he struggled with was defense. Really? Yeah. Huh. And that was always a that was always the knock that he got from coaches, and he was like, "I just just went after it. I was just determined to be able to play everywhere, so I could be in a lineup anytime." So, wow. so kudos to him. I mean, it's awesome. Like, if it wasn't gonna be Tommy, I'm glad it's Brendan Donovan because he he made he made a really good impact this year. And it wasn't just defensively. I mean, the guy had a three ninety something on, on base, base percentage. Right. I mean, he was he was great for us, but yeah, I mean, it, it seems kind of crazy that Tommy didn't didn't win one of those, especially at shortstop or second base, because he was so good defensively this year. It was unbelievable. I mean, his his, his WAR was over five, and I I don't know exactly if you can even look at the breakdown of it, but I would imagine more than half of that five is from his defense. You oh, know, it it shows you the breakdown, and it's okay. It's a lot. It's yeah. like four yeah. of the WAR is playing shortstop. Because shortstop gives you higher points than anywhere else in war. War is, ba- is weighted by the position you defend. Right. So shortstop is the hardest position to defend, according to war. And so that's why his war was so high, is because of how well he played shortstop. And then he wasn't even nominated at the shortstop position for Gold Glove. So, you know, I think there's a lot of gripe there. And then people were upset about Goldie not winning the Gold Glove. And, um, you know, his war defensively was negative, so I didn't know how they would re- how they would look at that. His because right. he, he wasn't he was good his defensive war. He he was good this yeah. year. Goldie was at first. He was very very good, but he wasn't great like some of the other ones. And then yeah, you shared about Key Brian Hayes. The the Pirates really wanted Key Brian Hayes to win third base. Yeah, they had love. they had some fun memes going on. You know, I wonder with him because he did in, in in the Pirates mentioned like he led. I think they said all third basemen, or maybe all of the NL in defensive runs saved, right? Which is a pretty big stat in that. But I'm just curious if I don't know if you remember. Um, we started off, no, we didn't start off our season against them because those games got pushed back at the end of the year because of the lockout. No, we, we did. Oh, we still did. The opening day was was Key Brian Hayes was playing short uh, oh, third was, base. That's right. No, and no, he no. Got hurt. Well, that's what I was to say. He yeah. got hurt on the first game. Yeah, the so first if you remember, game. I, yeah. I wonder if part of it. Is or part of the the voting factoring or the the analytics is is how many games because Nolan did play quite a bit more games than him and yeah. so yeah he had more defensive runs saved which you would say well in that few games like that's pretty impressive but then the other end like that's fewer games that you have to maybe make an error or miss a play or not get a play too so it kind of it kind of goes both ways but I, I also think like. there's a level of plays that are made yeah. it's an ounce above average type of stat of like Nolan his his plays, of those are off the charts right. And I'm sure Key Brian Hayes is a great defender, but the quality of like the plays that are made that should never be made are ones that Nolan Arenado makes, and yep. and that's the that's the difference. And I've got my Nolan jersey on today, and it just feels like more like Goldie should have got it. And you just got your for, Nolan shirt on too. I do, yeah. yeah. My breaking T one. Let's put that. Oh yeah, breaking slash that's a winner pod flipped. Yes, um, I think so many plays we saw too, like. The crazy ones that Nolan got to, and then the throws on the other end, like Goldie making some like really good picks this right. year. So that's what you think. And so I did think it was ironic. I saw that Christian Walker with the Diamondbacks won it, and I mean, he was a big reason why 
that they were okay with trading Goldschmidt right. to begin with. So, I mean, good for him. You know, he's starting to pay off some dividends for them a little bit because he had a lot of power this year too for them. Absolutely, and and that's a big part. Of it. And I I think next year will you know going from five to two is like kind of gut wrenching, right? For the Cardinals, to go from five Gold Glovers. Oh yeah. To two is like wait a second, and then you traded one of those guys who obviously in Harrison Bader that didn't play a ton for the Cardinals this year because of injuries, right. but you also get rid of arguably the best defensive outfielder in in baseball. So this whole mantra of we're a defensive team is kind of looking like uh, maybe not because yeah. the, the, the outfield is looking questionable. Yeah. And then the middle infield, if we're talking about putting Gorman in the, in the game is like, okay, now Gorman played fine at right. second, but it's like where we're, we're lacking. And then obviously who plays catcher like Kisner's not winning a gold glove at catcher. No. You know I mean? The more I think about it, I think I do agree with Jeff. I mean, the Sean Murphy trade seems right up the Cardinals alley of the thing. Because does, you're getting a guy who cost, can hit. He's cost. got it, yeah, the cost is it that's always what's gonna be. I mean, that's why they weren't in on the trade market for Frankie Montas. Right. Because they were their ask was so high. But I'm all about look, I understand Contreras and Jeff didn't think it he he matched yeah. the Cardinals and he would be shocked if Contreras comes. But if it's money for a short term, it's just money and not not players. I'm all in on yeah. Wilson Contreras because of that. Because yeah, I think he's no, I no think prospects. he's good enough defensively. I know you know Dan Dockage had told us he thought part of maybe why he wasn't traded was because of like some of the game calling defensive side yeah. kind of thing. Um, but he's got a great arm. Obviously, he's one of the better hitting catchers in baseball. Um, so it it excites me to think about him. I think he'd be fine defensively. Um, I just I don't know. I th- I think it would take him talking to Yachty, Yachty being able to maybe get Mo's ear, DeWitt's ear to the idea. I do I do think if Yachty recommends him that that carries a lot of weight. Sure, I mean it's ha- it has to to a degree. But if they if they sign no one else in bat wise, you have to get Contreras over a, someone else, right? Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. look look at it that way. If the Cardinals make no other moves that add a big bat. He he's I mean I would consider him an impact back right I mean and, he's got and Sean pop. Murphy is good a great he's yeah. a good defensive catcher he's if you a want good if you catcher. want both as I say if you want both yeah like Sean you want Murphy. the Gold Glove potential and the the good hitter it seems like Sean Murphy Sean Murphy's that road to go down and you want to save some money absolutely maybe to spend more on a like it would blow me away if we traded for Sean Murphy. And then turn around and snag Carlos Correa on some like high AAV two three year deal, and then made our big long term signing Carlos Rodon. Like that is a that's like a great, that that's is a like great knock it out of the ballpark. Absolutely, I feel like we l- legit have a, a like a real chance in the playoffs. Not next only year. that, you would be like, wow, they made some signings. Yeah. in the off season. So don't get your hopes up because that rarely happens. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, it very rarely happens. And it's not it's not going to be an outfielder. I mean, I, I told you, I I don't. If you're not going after Aaron Judge, which they aren't, I don't know why you would waste time spending money on Brandon Nimmo or uh, Andrew Benintendi. Even he got hurt right. for the end of the. I was just those are light. Those guys remind me of Dexter Fowler. They're light hitting, light power outfielders. That we already Neither, have yeah we've had we, before yeah. and they don't really stay healthy right i mean i just don't see i don't see the point i'd rather i'd rather see jordan walker or i'd rather see alec burleson or moises gomez guys we haven't even seen yet let's see what they can do right then sign one of those guys for a year or two so 
it's going to be interesting. I hope they do something. I mean, yeah, they got to do something. GM meetings coming up uh, next week, week and a half, something like that. Katie Wu is going to join us after those G- GM meetings. Uh, we right. tried to get her this week, and she her schedule was too full. So she's going to come on, I think, like— The GM meetings, that's before the winter meetings, right? Correct. It's in November. Okay, right. It's winter like, meetings is always early December. Yeah, so she said she'll come in after the GM meetings to have conversations. I want to talk more about her Q&A with Nolan Arenado. I want to talk to her more uh, about Nolan Arenado and the opt-out and all those things that we've, we've discussed earlier on the podcast um and yeah i mean those, that's what i'm looking forward to in the next couple weeks what else yeah. you got um not much else all right well um as always that's a winner podcast uh is you can go for breaking t.com slash that's a winner pod for your t-shirts hoodies all those things for Christmas coming up, get some gifts. Wear the moment is what they like to tell you. So like uh, my Tommy Two Bags hoodie, yeah. my MV Goldie. Ooh, M- Goldie being will be announced as the MVP if it's Goldie on November seventeenth is when they will announce the it's not far away yeah, couple weeks the MVP. Um, that whole week they do like Manager of the Year. Then the next day they do whatever. And then yeah. and then November seventeenth is announcing of MVPs. You're on our Twitter. You go to our Twitter. You retweet the Pinned tweet up Pinned top. right there at the top. You are in play to win a... Follow, like, and retweet. Make sure you follow us. Yeah, you're not yep. going to be in the drawing. Yes, yeah, so what I'll do is I'll... There's a generator. It'll generate... Anyone that's retweeted us will get put into a pool. It'll generate and pull a winner. In that winner, if I go to your profile and you are not following this... pull another name. Following us, we will generate another. All right, so that's that's how you get it to be able to win the jersey. I think there's like 340, 350. You have like a one in 300 and some odd chance of winning yeah. a jersey. Uh, Three, Paul 348 retweets right now. So one in 348 right now to win a Paul Goldschmidt jersey. That's yeah, more much, likes, more likes than retweets. Come on, all you had to do is hit one more button. That's way more likely to win a jersey than it is to win the Powerball. All right. Oh yeah, yeah. way more. <laughs> Your odds are really, really good. Okay, one in yeah. three hundred forty-eight. That's pretty good chances to win a jersey right now. They could go up, and I bet if he's announced as the uh, MVP, all of a sudden those might start jumping up a little quicker because I can't like turn it off. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. no, they, they would. They would. They, uh, I would hope so. If, Pe- people would be dumb for them not to before. <laughs> should we do the announcement that night? So if if on November seventeenth, if I say give it a couple days, okay. might not be a bad thing. You know, let, a, pe- let people get more of a we chance. We could do it live. We could, we could uh, yeah. do the um, the thing live where it picks live. It's just a, an app. The that, generator thing. Yeah, yeah that'd, that'd be fun. Okay. We might save Especially it. Especially for, for the, the winner. It wouldn't be fun for the other 300 people that didn't Yeah, get but it. we could get 300 people checking it out maybe. To yeah, see if they're about that'd to be win. great. Join us on that. Yeah, I, I just came up with that. Sounds good. All right. BreakingT.com slash That's a Winner Pod. You can get all your apparel there. Anchor, thank you for them for sending us money for you guys listening. Um, you can listen all the time on Spotify. Anchor, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, all all over the place. You can listen there. Everywhere. Every yeah. time you listen to those uh, those audio versions, um, we get money for that. We appreciate it. We get nothing for you to listen listen live, watch live, but that's all right. We enjoy the interaction. Yeah. We enjoy everyone um, coming to us. Join our Facebook group. It's just a private group that talks Cardinals baseball. It is that's a Cardinals winner, I do believe, is the name of that group. Uh, so join us on there. Um, it's in our link tree. You can see our link tree is on on all of these feeds. It's on our Twitter feed. It's on our Facebook. It's on YouTube. In our in our bio, there's a link tree. You can find it. Co- follow the the Cardinals discussion there. Um, all right, that's it. You got anything else? That's it. That's it. Well, we'll, we'll be back on 
hopefully relatively soon with yeah, Katie and yeah, a little bit two. more news maybe to talk yeah, about. Yeah, we'll, we'll jump on in a week or two or as um, as something you know pops up. Yeah, to we'll, we'll dive into her, uh, dive in her, we'll dive in with her on the uh, Arenado news that she broke and him opting back in. And she had a great Q&A with him on that that had a lot of a lot of good quotes. Yes. So and we can check pick her out. brain on that. Check that out uh, on The Athletic yes. as well. It's, it's really good. It, it, I feel like more access to a player than you're used to, and yeah. it's not getting really the publicity that it deserves because it's in writing and not on video, I right. think is like the best way I can explain it. Yeah, she does a great job. Absolutely. All right, well, I'm Ryan Jenkins. That's Josh Brown. Thanks for uh, watching that and listening to That's a Winner podcast. From the belt to the plate, a swing and a miss, and that's the winner! That's the winner! A World Series winner for the Cardinals! Smith corks one in the right down the line! It may go! Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! It's a home run, and the Cardinals have won the game by the score of 3-2, to two, and a home run by the Wizard!